hope everybody enjoyed the breakout uh, groups and your discussions and got to meet some new folks. I know I know I speak for my group, I, almost everybody in our group was new to me. So I'm, I'm really excited to uh, really excited to make some more connections. Um, for the remainder of our time, I'm going to call on uh, I'm going to call on uh, your group, whoever your spokesperson is from your group. Uh, ask that you share, um, you know, a 15 to 30 second summary of the discussion, um, and then kind of the key, you know, what's the key prompt you want to open up for from the group. Um, and I will, will hopefully get through most of the groups based on the discussion. Um, and then for those of you who want to, you know, ask a question or raise um, or make a comment on what's being talked about under the reactions button at the bottom of the screen. Uh, just raise your hand. Uh, Jeff, and, Jeff and I will see it and we'll uh, have you all come off mute at that point in time and uh, address the, the topic that's going on. So um, yeah, Josh has got it. So um, appreciate it. So um, I'm actually, you know, in theme of going in reverse order, I'm actually going to start with, um, I'm actually going to start with group 10. Wow, we had 10 groups. This is awesome. Um, and we'll have you all go first. So from the group, Walter, Marcus, Julie, uh, Ivan, Haley, Andrew, um, whoever your spokesperson is, you want to come off mute and provide a, a quick summary and a prompt for today's discussion? Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Hi, Julie. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. You're doing an excellent job, by the way. Thank you. Um, fantastic. So yeah, we had um, Rob, Walter, Haley, Ivan, Andrew, and Marcus in um, our group. And so it was actually a really good discussion. We were talking basically the kind of theme as we were all talking about our different roles and history and challenges that we're facing was um, those challenges of scaling. So some of us have joined new companies that are very rapidly growing. Some of us have joined uh, companies that have brand new teams that are rapidly growing. And because we're getting you know, lots of new clients, which is excellent, and lots of new team members, which is also excellent, kind of brings up challenges of integrating new tools, uh, what kind of CSM tools are integrated, and then the change management that goes along with that. And it also brings a challenge as we grow our client base and our customer base, um, how to keep those customers engaged. Because you know, at, at one end of the scale, you have your promoters, the other end of the scale, you have your detractors, but there's a lot right in the middle that aren't really sure um, you know, a lot of times we're not really sure how to best engage and get them to adopt the product once they've purchased it and then continue to see value as they become more of a long-term customer. So those are kind of some of the main challenges that we discussed were um, just scalability challenges. Who doesn't have that challenge, you know, <laughs> uh, of being able to, to drive that? You know, that's a great, you know, great point. It was there, a, you know, was there a specific, you know, was there a specific you know, question that came out of it um, that the, the group was asking for just for some feedback on, you know, how they've scaled, you know, different market segments within. Yeah, within um, well, Rob had some good suggestions on unique out of the box ways to engage clients. So maybe if anyone else um, has some unique ideas on the best way to get those clients engaged that maybe had early adoption of the product, but now have maybe kind of gone a little bit into the ether and we need to reel them back in and make sure that they are getting the maximum amount of engagement and value from from the, the service of product you're offering. Awesome. That's a great question. So I'll give everybody a, a, a moment to, to before I start calling on people um, to answer the question. But, um, you know, I know, you know scale and engagement is always a, a big, uh, big possibility. I think one thing that I think of from personal experience is identifying customers that you know, your low touch customers who you know naturally go through cycles of not communicating versus those who are like really high engagement and then suddenly fall, fall off the face of the planet. Um, so understanding, you know, where do they fall on it? You know, if they don't respond, is that normal or is that not normal? Um, and, and, you know, driving a plan around around that. If it is normal, then, you know, maybe there isn't as much concern there. If that's not normal, 
um, you know, working with, I would even say working with your leadership team on how to engage, you know, not only that team, but maybe other teams that are associated with it um, to, you know, tr try to bring them back as in, as you say, to specifically address that. So um, that's a really great, great question. So Vic, I saw your hands go up first, if you want to come off mute and provide any additional commentary. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I would say that's certainly a challenge for any organization that's trying to grow. Uh, I've certainly run into that issue too with scaling. And, and the only recommendation I'll make is make sure that there's a true revenue or business impact for the hire and the expansion of your team. Because uh, sometimes you just want to offload some work or try to get some more people on your team because you, you think that's needed, but make sure you can build out that case. Uh, in terms of engaging you know, clients that have gone radio silent, uh, there's one way that always gets their attention is here's the ROI we've given you lately, uh, the value we've driven for your organization. Uh, but another go-to of mine is uh, product roadmap enhancements, especially if it's something that they might've been asking for in the past. So making sure they can paint that vision for how we're gonna continue to work together uh, near term and long-term. Yeah, that's great. You bring up a, a great point. Um, Corinne, do you want to come off uh, mute and share as well? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jeremy. And really good question, Julie. Something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I joined Slack about a year ago, and they've experienced like tremendous growth, and there's been so much change and development to the customer success org. Um, I think one model that I think is interesting, and I'd personally love to hear everyone's perspective on this as well, because I came from management consulting where we had um, a pod model or you know, a team model rather than an individual contributor uh, structure where you know, you'd have a team supporting a client. So I've just been grappling with whether that is a good fit for customer success, whether that's the right model. Um, as a company scales and grows, there are certain customers right, that require different levels of attention um, and, and oversight, especially as you move into enterprise. So what does that look like for customer success as an org? Is there a model where um, rather than an individual contributor role, you'd have a, a pod model where you'd have several customer success managers supporting large customers? Um, I know Salesforce, I think, does this for major enterprise customers where they have like multiple CSMs on one account. That's something I haven't seen at Slack, but would be interested um, you know, to hear from the group if anyone has seen that um, at your companies, because I think that's a really interesting way to scale and provide like the right level of attention and agility to different customers um, at different points on their journey. And then I think just one, one example of a way to get a customer's attention, I face this challenge a lot um, with my book of business. They're wall-to-wall -wall customers on Slack who've been you know, on the platform several years now, feel like they understand the value, so why, why do they need to talk to me? Um, one thing I've tried is to leverage our beta program. So when there's new feature releases coming out to extend them an opportunity to participate in a beta um, for a feature that I know might be interesting to them and then have them aligned to the product manager um, to have to provide continuous feedback um, along that experience. And that seemed to be pretty helpful and re-engaging, especially because I'm catering to a feature that I know they're interested in. Um, so that might be one more route to go through as well. I'm a big fan of that beta, the beta model myself, and being able to, especially if they're if they've proven themselves to be high users and, and consistently provide good feedback, getting them in there early to test out new stuff, uh, you know, is 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 always a win-win. I I love the I love any opportunity that I can to to, to leverage that model. Um, take a couple more, Louis. Uh, Louis, I see your your hand raised. Hey everyone, so yeah, I just want to talk on Corinne's point about the pods. So MongoDB did a pilot last year, which um, with four accounts, they split them out into two each, and each account, each of those two accounts has like had a, a pod that consisted of a senior CSM, uh, pre-sales like solutions architect, solutions engineer, uh, dedicated support person, like every ticket that like 
two or three support person, like every ticket that this account created got routed to the same support team. And obviously like the enterprise sales rep. So we don't have multiple CS, but do we have, we do have teams dedicated for our highest ARR companies and the pilot went really well. And this year we're going to expand, I think we're going to create like five or six more pods because those accounts that need that dedicated person, there's an account that has like 40 to 35 projects. You cannot have an account like that. And then 29 other accounts with one or two projects, like there's not no bandwidth. So. I think we're going to see more companies as, as they grow with, into like large customers adapt that pod model. So yeah, it's interesting you bring it up, Corinne. Yeah, thanks, Luis. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a really interesting comment, Luis, because only I've seen it on the other end. You know, low touch customers kind of putting them into a customer success pool, so to speak, and it's kind of round robin whoever's got you know the bandwidth to pick that up and, and move forward with it. Um, you know, kind of more of a reactive customer success than a proactive customer success. But I, you know, that's a really interesting model. Um, for you know, large enterprise customers is having, you know, dedicated, you know, sales, sales engineering, CS support. Um, you know, it's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, but the sales reps is told that you got to find a million dollars in this account. So it's not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for sharing. Uh, Scott, we'll take your feedback and then I think we'll move on to the next group. Yeah, I was going to say, Corinne, uh, we had that model of multiple uh, CS people on the account. Uh, for some of our, our really large accounts. Uh, one of them was like, we did multiple hosting through uh, Computer Science Corporation. So they had like five people and then one CS person um, that kind of managed the, the whole scenario across the globe. Uh, from the IBM side, we kind of did multiple because we had multiple products that were serviced and then have them under one manager. Um, plus we had a lot of the other pieces that uh, were mentioned, uh, dedicated support people. Um, <clears throat> I functioned as kind of a technology advisor uh, and you know an escalation point for um, things that were stuck between support and development and, and getting those things out. So um, there's, I could certainly see it working very well on a product like Slack when you, when you do have a, a global uh, deployment that you're trying to, to work with the customer at. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I appreciate you sharing, Scott. I think there's a lot more. This, this is, uh, I think, uh, Matt Vidalis comment about, you know, there's there's never enough time to deep dive into this. I, I definitely think this is going to be one that we'll have to have, uh, you know, follow-up discussion on. But I appreciate, you know, Julie summarizing and bringing the question for us and, and for the feedback so far. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to move over. I'm actually going to bounce around a little bit because uh, the group I was going to call on, I, I see some folks that uh, contributed on our call last week. I, you know, I'm a big fan of participation of the, the newer folks. So I'm gonna call on, um, I'm actually gonna call on group six. So this is Anastasia, Adam, Ashmeet, Benjamin, Craig, and Erica. Uh, your, your spokesperson wanna come off mute and share what you guys discussed? I can take over. Um, we actually haven't come up with who the spokesperson will be, but I think that there was some uh, good discussion that the folks could, um, really uh, pitch in some opinions. So we all struggle with the same with similar things, you know, customer success and how to how to define it. But one particular challenge that stood out was how do you convince your entire organization that customer success is 
not a support function, but rather in cost of doing business rather than an actual business department that is needed to make the company grow. Wow, that is, I, I think I saw this comment come up, this same question came up in uh, you know, Jeff's post on LinkedIn this morning about, you know, how do we, you know, how do we def help? In particular, right, in particular, when executive leadership feels like that they have the best product on the market, they're awesome, and they don't see that there are any real competition. So how do you convince not just the sales team, not just the technical team, but the entire company that customer mm -hmm. success is a needed place that is going to help you grow the company rather than just somebody who pays that is responsible for the bills? Yeah. So I have, Matt, I see your hand raised. So I'll, def, I'll, I'll pitch over to you and just say, I got a clarifying question for, for the Anastasia in your group. Is, um, is the question coming from a CS considered a cost center at this point? Is that, is that yes. part of the problem? It's a new department that is just getting started. And uh, it, it's something that is clearly necessary to reduce churn and make it more of a proactive team but there's not enough people in the company, specifically executive leadership that is willing to jump on board. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's the biggest part right there is, you know, jumping on, you know, changing it from a BNA, you know, cost center to a revenue generating center. And I think there's plenty of stuff that's been published over the last couple of years um, on CS and trying to shift that that discussion. But um, I let me, Matt, did you still want to come off mute? I saw your hand go down. Yeah, just trying to be kind to not spam the raise hand function. <laughs> Fine, no, go for it. And then Gabe, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Appreciate you, Jeremy. So yeah, I mean, I love to look at starting organizations and see, especially where their product led in an instance like that, I'm supposing, uh, and see where the teams are, because especially in instances like that, they like to think we got everything and we don't need to consider the other perspectives. But if you look, especially in my group, you know, we talked about uh, things where CS isn't just an external function, it's an internal function as well. Uh, and you can see a lot of gaps uh, within your organization. So in a product-led model, uh, it's wonderful to be product-led that your product will sell itself. However, there's still opportunity. No matter what, there's always room for growth. There's room for more revenue, there's room for more efficiency, and there's room for more unity. Uh, so to hopefully see the room to impress upon that within the organization, I tend to find that people won't say no to more money <laughs> as a key motivator. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that a lot of folks do really enjoy uh, intrinsically that aha moment, that ability to be able to do more, that ability to grow. Uh, and of course, that will come from leadership. So hopefully that can help you guys out. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Gabriel, can you come up mute? Yeah. Um, so this is the, that's the challenge that I, I currently also have where I work where there isn't definitely there definitely isn't like a clear CS vision from our executive leadership, but things have been getting better. And what I've learned is that you need to respectfully, but incessantly push your way to get a seat at the table. Um, you, if there, if your voice is not being conveyed at the executive level, then things are just not going to happen. You're not going to get the approvals you need. I mean, depending on how your organizational structure is like. But um, I thankfully have a, a boss who believes in in what we do and what we want. But I've had to convince her, you know, and persuade her into that. And then every time something comes up, and I have a great relationship with her, I share again and I share again, and we talk about it again and over and over and over. And she takes it to her boss. Um, just had a meeting where they wanted to add make CS responsible for uh, generating sales. So net new facility, net new clients. Um, and I was adamantly against that. Got on a call finally with our VPs and our, 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 and our CEO and they agreed. 
but it, it was, I don't think it would have happened, honestly, if it wasn't for consistently going up and telling them, this isn't what CS is for. If you want the strategic work, if you want the value of these other things, then we need to create a different function. We need, you know, separate tasks and so on. So I do think that you have to continue to bring it up. And as you bring it up, it's not just talking about it because that's not going to create anything, but you have to come with numbers. You have to come with reports. You have to, you do have to be able to present some form of ROI to the work that you're doing, right? So I'm reducing costs here. I am preventing issues on this side of things by doing this and that and having actual examples. So, you know, one thing that I've partnered well with my boss is that whenever we do have these great wins, um, it's getting shared with our executive team every time. You know, we just did this and, and they're seeing it so that they're seeing that this isn't just support. Look at the other things that this team is doing and look at the value that it's bringing to the entire company. Um, so you do need a good partnership with someone higher up that's going to be willing to advocate more for you and, and then be consistent with that while not just verbally, but presenting numbers. If you have any form of ROI, you have to bring that to the table. Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm sensing a theme around ROI from some of the comments throughout the, the, the discussion of, you know, you got to you kind of show me the money, so to speak. So um, 100% agree. Uh, Patricia, I know that uh, you're having some issues getting the hand raised. So I want to give you the opportunity to speak and then maybe we'll take one more. And then I want to maybe uh, open up to one more discussion topic before we wrap today. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jeremy. And thank you, Matt. I've never used Zoom. I'm like one of those, and I couldn't find a button. So thank you. Um, I was going to say, I think, um, and this is uh, this was one of the, the you know part of my presentation as to why the company should hire me. So I did a lot of research on you know CS versus sales, and like everyone was saying, um, if you want to look at it from a numbers point of view, just just go out and look at the stats, and you will see that uh, you know nurturing a relationship versus creating a new one, they will cost you about six, seven, eight times more creating their new client. So why do you want to have a CSM group? You know, or why do you want to have a CS? I think I think the question is the other way around. Why wouldn't you have that if you have if your product is on a model where you have, you know, um, a recurrent revenue when you know that you're not going to be paying for it on year one? Uh, how are you going to make sure that your client is paying for the investment that you have to make on the infrastructure, the people, uh, the resources, the product development, all of that? So if 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 you go to your leadership team and you you know you're not talking about fluff you are talking about numbers which you know leadership groups love so if you go to them and you start talking about all of that i think i think the question is how come you don't have a cs function yet you know uh, so it's 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 that pin and that is how you know um i know my head of the department has been able to, to justify the numbers and justify the growth of the department because it would have cost them far more to hire you know one salesperson than to have two or three people that are working within the success structure and they are you know product specialists and then they, they have different functions within their success umbrella so that they can support the business and create that continuity which is you know what has been removed when you look at um the the the, the different um levels of, of client engagement that we see now where you know the revenue is not all hours up front but is given in monthly, annual, you know, insert here, installments kind of thing. Well, awesome. Thank you for sharing. I think you're, you're spot on doing, doing the research. You know, the, the, the thing that most of us probably don't particularly enjoy, um, you know, if I, if I go, go out on a limb here for a second, say, you know, there are other things I'd rather spend my time on, but you're right, doing the research and being able to present it well, um, that speaks to, you know, revenue gained or revenue loss is, you know, that's a big, you know, that's what we're all in business. All, all we're doing is, you know, structured around revenue retention and revenue growth. So um, no, that's great feedback. Thank you for sharing. Um, so uh, David and Lee, I see you both have your hands raised. 
Um, I, uh, if you don't mind, maybe uh, let's let's continue the conversation and, and gain grow retain. I do want to give one more group the opportunity to share, um, you know, their topic of discussion uh, before we before we wrap today. It's been uh, you know it's been very um, in depth conversation. So I'm going to I'm actually going to call on. Um, I'm actually going to call on my group selfishly. Uh, Maddie is new, new, newish to the CS role, and uh, newer to our community. So I want to give her the opportunity to introduce herself um, and, and share a couple thoughts that she and a few others from our group shared around being new to CS. So, Maddie, I'm going to turn it over to you for our final discussion topic today. Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. Uh, my name is Maddie. It's nice to meet everyone. This is my first time talking in front of this many people, so I'm a little nervous here. Um, but yeah, we happen to have a lot of us in our group that were either brand new to CS or just currently in our first customer success role. So that was kind of nice to be able to meet other people like that. Um, and so a lot of our challenges were similar and focused kind of around the idea of transitioning from a different role over to CS um, and especially coming from, you know, maybe some different areas. For example, I'm from a more of a traditional sales role. We had support, marketing, just different things like that. Um, and how to make that transition smooth and just adapt as quickly as possible, I think is where a lot of our struggles came from. So our main question to the group is just, has anyone made a leap over to CS from a completely different role? Kind of any advice surrounding that would be super helpful. What is the most important skill sets you guys took over from that? Um, and then additionally, we kind of had a more fun question. If anybody has had any really random jobs that maybe they didn't expect any of those skills to transfer over to CS, but they surprisingly did and were actually very valuable. Um, so just anything like that, I think we're all fairly new and would love any advice surrounding that topic. Awesome, great job, Maddie. You know, give, make sure y'all give her a hand after the. She did, she did an awesome job. So, uh, well, well done. I think I see. I know we've got some veterans on this call out here, so I'm, I'm sure there's uh, plenty of feedback that can be shared. So, uh, I'm gonna call on some uh, Vic. I will come back to you. Uh, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give uh, Bryce. Bryce, I'm gonna turn things over to you. Give you the opportunity to come and share some commentary on this. Yeah, sounds good. I'll, I'll answer the latter question. Um, one of the skills that I gained and kind of like transformed into the RCS role is kind of gap analysis. Before I worked at a biotech company and I was doing quality control, it's, it sounds like very far-fetched from CS because you're working with the actual pharmaceuticals. But if you think about it, like you, your customers are your, your product and, you know, you got to make them successful and make their outcomes uh, come to life. So, you know, I'll, me I'll measure their usage data, you know, see like, who's quote unquote out of tolerance, who's quote unquote, like, you know, ready to churn. And, you know, that's how I kind of manipulated my previous skills into, you know, my current CS role. Awesome. Thank you for sharing, Bryce. Uh, let's see, uh, David, uh, I'm going to butcher your last name, so I'm going to let you come off. <laughs> you come off mute here. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, so the one thing that, that I would say, I mean, that transition is something that I did as well. And I think many people have from different roles, especially from sales where you're dealing with like, where you're dealing with high touch customers. So you're kind of dealing with them on a day-to-day -day basis anyways. But the one thing that we found super helpful in terms of um, kind of defining exactly what those boundaries are and where, where you play that role is building out the customer journey and being very, very detailed about what that journey looks like. So what is the initial point of contact look like? What does the sales process look like? When does it actually become a customer? Is that during a pilot stage or is that during the point where you're actually going to like annual contracts, how do you build in that transition? So defining that customer journey was something that was extremely important to us and helped us like really um, be clear about what the roles are. And when again, you might engage, for example, sales to come back in as you have like a growth opportunity or a cross sell opportunity. So versus like just trying to be like, do I do that now? Or is that your role? Or how do we, how do we wear? Now I've got my sales hat back on, but I'm doing success. So I think just every organization is a little bit different, but 
um, defining that that customer journey and mapping it out is you know is well worth the the time if that hasn't been done yet. Yeah, absolutely, spot on, David. Uh, thanks for sharing. Um, so I think we've got time for one more. Um, I saw Stuart's going to go down. So Connor, I'm going to turn it over to you for your closing comment on this before we wrap. Cool. Um, so having made the uh, the transition to success from more of a like product support role, I know a lot of people on our team at RevenueWell, that's kind of the route that they've taken as well. One thing that we've kind of had to teach ourselves like is in addition to setting boundaries like David was mentioning is mentioning there, when customers are asking about a particular feature or about something specific, uh, taking a step back and asking why, what is it that you're trying to accomplish and really kind of getting to the heart of their issue. Um, I know that that was something that is that has been huge for us and helps drive that customer conversation and also sets our team apart from maybe a traditional product support role because we're trying to learn more about those goals and, and get to kind of the heart of that uh, of that question and those goals themselves. Yeah, spot on. And that actually, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of Maddie, that was one of the members of our group is actually coming from a marketing background. So um, and, and trying to understand how the transition of skills. So you're, you're, exact, you're exactly uh, spot on with that as well. So thank you. Thank you for sharing, Connor. Uh, for the rest of the folks, I know there's a lot more people that you know have feedback and want to share. So I apologize, we didn't have we didn't have time to get to everybody's feedback. So I'm gonna make you know the shameless plug to um, on these topics and to the other groups that we had today that we didn't get to. Uh, please make a you know make a post on the Gangro routine if you haven't already um, and, and continue the conversation there. Um, and then the second plug is um, for those of you and, and Maddie. Hopefully, I didn't scare you away. Hopefully, you'll come back next week. But uh, for those of you, you know, we we are looking for more folks to, to help be a part of the facilitation process for these weekly uh, CSM office hours. So um, anybody who wants to you know, step up, the commitment's pretty light. Having doing this my first time, it was pretty pretty easy to do. So uh, you know, I, I would highly recommend, definitely we'll be coming back again and doing this. So uh, we'd love to have seen more, you know, more of you up here facilitating and being a part of the conversation. But um, with that said, thank you all so much. Jeff, was there anything you wanted to say before we close out? No, you ended it perfectly. Uh, appreciate you doing this, Jeremy. Really excited to uh, get you into the mix again here soon and uh, enjoyed the discussion. I uh, hope everybody has a good week and we'll see you all on CS Leadership Office Hours on Thursday uh, if you all want to make it there as well. So appreciate it. And we'll talk to you all soon. Yeah, thanks. Benjamin, no, you don't have to wear a Patriots pullover. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> We're not obligated to do that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, y'all take care. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.